Well, if you would, let's go ahead and take our seat today. I want to get right into the Word. We're, like I said, we'll, we'll get to the announcements and all that good stuff later. But I want to get right into the Word today. And um, today, we have seen just in real time from James's life to Simone's life, we have seen in real time what a story of hope looks like. How many of you know your story was messed up at one time, amen? Without Jesus, it was tore up from the floor up, right? And then the Lord came along and started doing a work in you. And, 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 and you may not be who you're going to be, but you're not who you used to be, amen? <laughs> and God began to do a work in you and, and, and started to change your life and strengthen your life. And, and as he did that, it wasn't that you did it all by yourself, amen? Jesus did a work, but he used some people. To strengthen you. He used some people to help you. He, he brought some people along the way. And, and I want you to understand it this way, that everyone needs a story of hope. We say that around here. That's our, that's our mantra, that everyone, everybody say that, everyone needs a story of hope. Yeah, yeah, and we believe here at Momentum Church that not only does everyone need a story of, of hope, we believe that a better story always follows wherever Jesus shows up. Doesn't the story get better when Jesus gets involved? Every time. You look in the Bible, you see Jesus getting involved, and blind eyes are open, and lame legs start to walk, and, and women that were once called an adulteress are now the loved and beloved, and they have the heart of God. Man, that is what happens when Jesus invades people's lives and invades people's stories. But I want you to understand something. He does it through his church so often. He does it through people. We are called to be a part of helping people find their story of hope. Don't, don't allow yourself to be relegated to the back pew. I'm sorry, back pew, folks. It's all right. I'm just saying in life, no, you got a front row seat in what Jesus wants to do in people's lives. You know why? Because he doesn't have another body but you. Right? It's not like the headless horseman going around the world and that's, no, he's the head and guess who's the body? You're the body. And so you are intrinsically connected to the presence, power, and person of Jesus. And when you go, Jesus goes. You know? When you minister, Jesus is ministering in and through you. As you submit your heart to the Lordship of Christ, who knows what story of hope you can be a part of in people's lives. Amen? And so that's kind of where we're, we're looking at today is that because I feel like you have people in the world. Okay, so here's people in the world. These are people that are in need. These are people in this room that are in need. It doesn't matter if they're believers or not. There's needs. Shout need. All right, and then, then way over here, I run a little faster. But I don't want to get out of breath. Okay, over here, you've got Jesus, the meter of all needs. Jesus, the one that we know is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one that never changes. The one that can heal, set captives free, deliver. You got Jesus over here, but somehow there's something that gaps this. There's something that bridges in between. And yes, it's the presence of the Lord, but the presence of Jesus moves through his church. All right? So, so you have people and you have Jesus that wants to do something in people's lives. And then there's a conundrum. There's an issue. Houston, we have a problem. 
because Ross is in the middle of this mess. You know what I'm saying? And so are you. People are in the middle of people's stories of hope. And that's a problem. That, that means in my life, I need to be prayed up. Come on. That means in my life, I need to seek his face. That means in my life, I need to hear a word from heaven. That means for my life, I need to, Lord God, have an openness to God and to people that goes beyond my time, my agenda, my desire. But God, I got to do this right now. God might be putting his thumb on me to say, no, right now you need to do this. And you need a bridge, right? Okay, so, so that's kind of where we're headed at. And, and here's the thing. The reason why is I don't want to just be another church in Woodstock. I don't. Amy and I, as we were listening to that, she leans over to me and just goes, honey, it's worth it all, isn't it? Wasn't it worth it all? Wasn't it worth it all? Just the stories we're starting to hear of life change and, and growth and, and young people coming up into ministry and, 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 and old people falling in love with Jesus, afresh and anew. Scott, I didn't mean to call you old. I'm sorry. Isn't it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. It's worth it all for that, you know. But we didn't come here just to be the next church in Woodstock. We want to be a church to Woodstock. There's a whole difference when you begin to think that way. That I don't want to just be, being in is like this. I'm just, I'm just in right here. I'm just in. I'm in. You know, I'm in. I'm in. No, I want to be two. I want to be two. I want to find need and be two. I want, there's Rosa. I want to be two. I scared you. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what? Let's do this now because Rosalie, this is her last Sunday with us, okay? <laughs> and um, she's going up to Tennessee to be with children that doesn't love her as much as Scott. <laughs> no, I'm teasing. <laughs> she's been here with Scott for a couple years, and now she's going up to be with some other family up there. And, and I know it's, let's just pray. Can we stand in the gap with Rosalie today? Jesus, thank you for Rosalie. What a sweetheart. She's been such a blessing to this house. And Lord God, as we just pray with her today, Jesus, even, even this, just taking time, this is important, God. This isn't in the schedule. This is important to you. Rosalie is important to you. Would you touch her today? Strengthen her today. Bless her in her travels. And Lord God, as she gets up to Tennessee, God, just be with her. Allow her to know she's got a church family that loves and is praying for her, Jesus. Bless Scott and the family as, as they will miss mother, God. Be with them in your name. Amen. Amen. Love you. You guys keep coming. <laughs> so, all right. So. Uh, my favorite story of Rosalie, her name in China, 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 her name in Chinese um, means a flower, something to that effect. And so years ago, Scott said, Mom, why did you name yourself what you named yourself? Because it's so pretty. And she, but he's like, Mom, you can't say it. You, Rosalie Fogel, Rosalie Foger. And I'm not teasing, that's your son. So you spank him. I'll hold him, you hit him. I'll hold him, you hit him, okay? So, um, but... <laughs> All right, where in the world am I? All right, so not just a church, not just a church in, but a church too, you know? Okay, so that's not in the schedule. I'm sorry. This isn't a show, people. Come on, you know? I'm sorry. There's things to be done. It's, so it's not just a church in, but it's a church too. And everywhere you go, you are the church. I need to be a church too. Woodstock. A church too. Kennesaw. A church too. Ackworth, a church to Canton, a church to Macedonia. Now we've just gone too far. No, no, no. A church to, is anybody from Macedonia in here? Okay, yeah. No, I didn't think so. All right. 
And the thing about that is, when it comes down to it, you think a little Simone here. When you think about that, the cost is too great for us not to take our place as the church to Woodstock. The cost is too great for us not to take our place as a church to young people like Simone. It's just too great for us not to find that place. Amen? It's too great not to sacrifice your time or your talent or your treasure. It's too great not to take that time with God in mind where he speaks to you and says, Now, speak a word. Now, this is something today that God has shown you. And next thing you know, you see that person in the day. And God has already prepared your heart to pray for him. Isn't that awesome? Man, too too great a cost for us to not take our place. And the reason why is because, like I said, there's this gap. So you got God wanting to do a great work, and you've got people that are in great need. And then here in the middle, you have a gap. Say gap. There is a, a technique of war that took place in 1939, one of the first times this had ever been used at this level because of tank warfare had got to the point that in 1939, tanks could be used this way. And what happened was the German army, they pushed through the Polish army, and as they pushed through their defenses, they pierced the defenses, they made a gap in the defenses, and they were able to get behind the defenses. And once they got behind it, they were able to attack the flanks and the rear. Okay, all right? And, and guess what that, that's called, that technique? It's called a blitzkrieg, you know? Do you know why? It means lightning war is what it means, a lightning war. This punching through, causing a gap to take place, a hole to take place, a vulnerability to take place, causing that to happen, and then the advantage being taken by that offensive party over those that are trying to defend it's called a blitzkrieg. It's, 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 it's a lightning war. And when I, I thought about that, my mind went back to thinking something that Jesus had said. When Jesus was recounting back to the fall of Satan, he said this. When it looked at the idea of Satan being expelled, expo, uh, the expulsion of Satan from heaven, he said this. I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. A blitzkrieg. The enemy coming in on the, uh, the offensive, trying to push through the best that God had, trying to push through on man, trying to get in and mess things up, and cause need and hurt and pain and division and brokenness. And it wasn't too much longer that man is lying on his wife and wife is lying on her husband. It's not too much longer before brother is killing another brother. You know what I'm saying? You know, It wasn't too much longer after that lightning came, that blitzkrieg came. But thank God there's always been a plan to bridge the gap. There's always been a plan for this to take place, for that, that, that huge gap that's opened up to be able to be bridged. There's always been a plan. Now, the thing in our world, that gap looks like can be so many different ways. That brokenness, that vulnerability, it can look so many different ways. From the prodigal who has run from the truth, they need us bridging the gap. Amen? Amen? From, from people blinded by their own desires that they miss God's best for them. I've been there before. At times, I'm still there. I need that gap bridged, you know. The addict who is out of control, poor Simone. Can you imagine that sweet, precious girl putting an IV in her arm and taking that medicine, taking that, that drug? Can you imagine that, you know? She needed somebody to bridge a gap. That young person that's in the room with doubts, 
about their purpose and their future and their faith. They need somebody to bridge a gap. I, I kind of say I'm thankful for Pastor Marvin and Bettina for bridging that gap with those, those, those young adults. Oh, my word. Friday night, turning point, to use, you know, Marvin's saying, it's getting lit. <laughs> Not even sure what that means. But... <laughs> All right, all right. But, I mean, my day, we got crunk. No, I don't, we didn't get crunk. I don't even know what that means. I'm just going to shut up and keep. But those young adults on Friday night, man, they're starting to feel. It's so neat. They started off in a little, little tiny room, and then they got a little bigger room, and now that's too big. Now they got another room, and they're going to take over this whole sanctuary some Friday night. Amen? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. <laughs> because they're looking to get in the gap, you know. Maybe it's those who are impoverished who can't see a way out, and they need people bridge the gap. Maybe it's the lonely that need comfort, you know, or maybe the self-righteous that think they don't need anything, <laughs> but they need somebody bridging the gap. That's, that's who we are, and so God is asking, will you stand in the gap for these people? Will, will you stand in the gap for the glory of God and for the good of others? God has always looked for a person to stand in the gap so that the story of history could become a story of hope. He's always done that. You think about the, the, the history of the Israelites. 400 years in bondage. At the end of this month, we're going to have a Seder meal. And in that Seder meal, we're going to celebrate Jesus and what that means. But we're going to take a look back at that, that, that ancient practice of Passover. We're going to take a look back at that at the end of March. It's going to be awesome, you know. During the whole month of this, this, this month of March, starting next week, I'm, I'm doing a series that's kind of centering around that Passover table. It's going to be rich. Amen? But the thing is, Moses was stirred by God, didn't feel that he was able, didn't feel like he had the goods or the means necessary, but he was stirred by God to stand in the gap, and he gapped that bondage of the enemy and the people of God to the victory that God had. He was that bridge between those two, you know. And centuries later, the same people, because we're prone, I've told you that before, we're prone to wonder. That's who we are, we're wanderers. And that same people had become bound to the Babylonian Empire. And, and a prophet named Ezekiel had begun to speak a word to them about their spiritual state. And as we head into this season, if you will, of Lent, how many know uh, a lot of times you don't hear Baptists and Pentecostals, you don't hear people, you know, like, like talk much about Lent around our circles, do we, you know? But, but you know, some like Catholics and Lutherans and, and um, you know, Presbyterians, you know, they like Lent, you know? And um, if you're a Presbyterian, don't be mad at me for saying that. It's, it's a good thing, you know. So um, we have everybody here, and I love that, you know. People ask me all the time, what kind of people come to your church? And I'm like, well, we got Baptists and Methodists and Pentecostals and ex-Catholics, and we got a lot of heathens. <laughs> that are getting saved and turned onto the things of God. <laughs> I love it. All right, so here's what we go. Here's the thing about this. Now, listen, listen. So these people around 590 B.C., they had gotten issues. They had started to have all their problems. They got off track, and God was looking for someone to stand in the gap. And I want to just go there. So let's go to Ezekiel 22. I usually have you stand today. Just stay seated. we got a lot, to, a lot of ground here to cover. Ezekiel 22. Let's start at verse 23. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, and said to her, You are a land that is not cleansed, or rained upon in the day of indignation. Man, when I read that, my mind just thought, that's, 
That's just people. It, it doesn't matter if it was the Israelites. It doesn't matter if it's the, that land of Babylon where they're at now. It doesn't matter if it's the United States. It's just, it's just natural for us to, to miss the best that God has and to start to move away from God's best. And, and here it says that you're a land that is not cleansed or rained upon. And so my first thing I want to just say as far as a point would be this. We need a move of the Spirit of God. We need a move of the Spirit of God. A land that is moved upon. A land that is cleansed. A land that the rain of the presence of God is pouring down upon. Last week we were talking with the missions team and how when we were there in Haiti, it just seemed like every time the rain would start to physically rain, we would start to have a move of God. It was really something, you know. It was. It was beautiful. And man, my, my heart, I thought, God, I want to be a person, I want to be a people, I want to be a church that finds our place between the people that are in need and the presence of God and say, God, fill us. Amen? Give us that anointing, that power, not to be anything of ourselves, but that you would be seen, that you would be known. A word that could be spoken that only God could have brought a miracle that could be wrought that only Jesus could have done. A deliverance of victory that could manifest that had not God got involved. But there was people connecting between what God's desiring to do and the person in need. The person who is being um, um, attacked or the person who is missing what God has for them. And so I believe that we need a move of the Spirit of God in our lives. We need that. And we're a land that is in need of the, the moving of God. And, and so often I think we get our minds on Sunday morning experience is the move of God. It's not. Amen. Sunday morning experience is a great time for us to come together and to celebrate and, and, and move in the presence of God and be touched and empowered by His Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, daily, God, move on my heart. Touch me today because I'm not living just for myself. I need a move of your Spirit in me. I want cleansed and I want refreshed. Move upon this land. Move upon this heart so that I can be postured and positioned in such a way that when I need to stand in the gap, I've got the goods. Amen? And they're not mine, they're his, they're Jesus's, the whole time. And if anything we do brings attention to us, man, we've missed it all, you know. In my church in Ohio years ago, I had a woman, and she came up to me, and she said, Pastor Ross, I was down at the, county, at the street in the downtown center of the square, and I started preaching the word of God. And I'm like, awesome. She said, people started coming and gathering. I'm like, that's great, sister, that's incredible. What happened? Well, next thing I know, I just I started speaking in tongues. No, I believe in speaking in tongues. I do, you know. And she goes, and those people, they just took off. They ran away. And I'm like, I bet they did. <laughs> and I said, I, I asked her, I was like, why did you do that? Well, it was the anointing. It was just the touch of God on me. It was the power of the Lord on me. <laughs> you know, and, um, and I'm just like, no, no. They ran away from you because they were afraid of you. You, you already had people there minister the word. Amen. And I told her, I said, man, in your prayer closet, get filled up. And then get out there and move in the power of the presence of God. Move in the Spirit. But we need a move of the Spirit. Amen. We need a touch of the power of God in our lives. That touch of God is tangible. That touch of God, the Bible says when the anointing comes, it breaks yokes. It breaks bondages. That anointing's not yours. It's His. But we can align. We can posture ourselves with the Lord. God, please use me. 
You know, there was an old song we used to sing, if you can use anything, Lord, Lord, use me, you know? And, and really, this, 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 this week, March 2nd, was my 25th preachiversary. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And actually, I forgot about it till this morning. I told Amy, I said, oh, my word, it was 25 years ago that I packed up my little 84 Buick Skyhawk with everything I own, which wasn't much. When you're 19, you don't have a lot. And, and I took off, and I've been taking off ever since, you know. And, and, and oh, my word, I am the epitome of the truth that if God can use anything, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest, you know. I mean, I remember using ass in the Bible. I remember that, you know. I do. I remember that, right? And so to speak his word. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not a donkey. I'm a lot better than that. But still, when it comes down to it, it's just willingness, y'all. That's all it is. I'm glad you leaned over and whispered that. It was worth it all, Amy. And, and not because of any giftings that we have or abilities that we have. This is your church. You built this. <laughs> You built this place, people. Got it working. You, one stone fitted against the next, that lively stone, you know, that, 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 that house built with peculiar people, the Bible says, you know. Those who are, are a kingdom of priests standing in the gap between God and the people of this world that need the things of God. That's who you are, and you've allowed him to use you so beautifully to fit together a, a mess of a place that's doing some neat things for Jesus, amen? I'm just thankful to be able to, to be a part of that. And so we need a move of his spirit. Now watch this. The second thing is this. God, when it came to his people of Israel, his intentions wasn't for them to be in the bondage of the Babylonians. God had better intentions for them. God had better intentions for his people, but they chased after lesser things. Let's look here in the scripture. They chased after lesser things, and, and, and you're going to see some spiritual things that's going on amongst their leaders. Their priests and their prophets were just messed up because they got their eyes off the move of the Spirit of God. They got their eyes off what true revival, what true expression of God's touch in our lives is really all about. And then you start to see this mess. Go down here to verse 25. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. That doesn't sound good. Does it? When your prophets are conspiring to rip people to shreds, not good. Amen? This is what it's saying, though. This is the, 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 the state of the church at that time, if you will. They have devoured human lives. They've taken treasure and precious things. They've made widows in their midst. Her priests have done violence to my law. They've profaned my holy things. They've made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean. Do you see that? Now, here's the thing. In a few weeks, we're going to be talking about how changed people change people. Right? We're going to be looking at that here in a few weeks. And, and, and if you walk as holy before the Lord, but you don't live holier than thou, you'll change a world. I don't have time, and nobody has time for holy, holier than thou mentality, right? Amen? But the world needs a people that's willing to stand in the gap and lean into the holiness of God. Lean into the, 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 what the Lord is doing and, and find change for themselves so they can bring change, change to others. They have made no distinction, it says, 
It says, they have disregarded my Sabbath so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions, divine, divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have opposed the poor, oppressed the poor and the needy, and they have extorted from the sojourner without justice. In other words, all the intentions that God had for his nation, they are missing it because they've chased after lesser things to the degree that now they're not acting as priests and prophets to the benefit of the people so that the things God wants connects with the people, but now they're hurting the people. Amen? And so my, when I read that, Lord, let me say it this way, God had better, has better intentions for his church. But we've chased after lesser things. And it may be one of those things where obviously we're not to the degree that we see here in Scripture. I get that. But man, so many lesser things we've chased and we've missed our role as priest and we've missed our role as prophet. I'm not your priest. Amen? You're a priest. A royal priesthood. A chosen generation, the Bible says. A peculiar people. You're the priest. You're the priests that connect between the things of God and the person that is in need. And my whole challenge today is just to help you find your place in that priesthood, if you will. That third thing I want us to see is this. God is looking for a people who will stand in the gap. He, he knew this was a land that needed a move of God. And he said it's a land without rain. It's a land without that cleansing, that move of God. He, he, he delineates a little bit of time there and says, this is how far you guys have got off. You're just missing my attentions completely. You've missed so much. And I just need somebody. I'm looking for someone who will stand in the gap. And it says in verse 30, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach or stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. He's looking for someone to rise up in the nation to be one that would stand in the gap. And he's saying he's not finding any of these. He's looking for a people who will embrace their priestly duties and see the presence and power of God at work in their lives. That's what he's looking for. In our modern time right now, that's what he's looking for. And I want to know, will he find that one that will stand in the gap amongst us? I, I hope today he'll find about 450 between the two services, about 450 of us that will be willing to stand in the gap. Amen? Well, I told you earlier about the Blitzkrieg. What that gap is, it's, it's, it represents a place of vulnerability. It represents a place of weakness. It represents a place of danger. It represents a place of lack and need. Everywhere we go. Between now and Easter and beyond, but just right now it's kind of that focus as we're heading into the season of Lent. There are people that are, that gap in their life, the enemy has just come in and he's brought, because of that vulnerability, a pain, a need, a hurt. And you are called as a priest of the gospel of Jesus to bridge the things of God with them. Amen? And so with that, that's just kind of what we're looking at. You know, God's looking for people who will stand in the gap. And, and, and there's a, a Hebrew word, actually two words for this, this idea of one who stands in the gap. And I love it. It's ish habenayim. Ish, everybody say ish habenayim. Say it again, ish habenayim. That's awesome. I just love the way it sounds. Who are you? I am ish habenayim. 
That's cool. This week, you know, when you feel a little bit disrespected by somebody, stop. I'm ish habenian. It feels good. I like it. Well, Ross, what does that mean? <laughs> it's this. It's a ch- it literally means one who stands in the gap. That's what it means. One, a man. Now, if you're a woman, you're isha habenayim. Okay, but one who stands in the gap, a champion for a cause, a person who protects or supports someone in need, a man or a woman who finds the courage to sacrifice everything to represent God and block evil from destroying those he loves and those he comes in contact with. That is an ish habenayim. Literally what it means is this. It's one who places themselves between two camps and offers single combat. I'm going back to this war imagery, if that's okay, okay? Because I do believe in the sense we're in a fight a little bit, right? And so when it comes to this idea of Isha Benayim, it's the idea of one who represents a group, and then he goes down and he fights the battle. It may seem familiar to you because it's like David fighting Goliath. The term literally manifested by one soldier representing an army in one-on-one combat with another single combatant representing an enemy army. David, that shepherd boy, he was the Ishabinayim for the nation of Israel and he ran onto that battlefield to stand in the gap on behalf of the rest. I just want to know, is there some folk in this room today that will fight for those that have need in their lives and fight for those in this city, amen, that need a touch from Jesus. And you'll fight your agenda, you'll fight your own interests, you'll fight your own self, you'll fight whatever it takes to get on the field so that God will receive glory and that the people will walk in the goodness that God has. You'll do whatever it takes. That's an ish habenayim, one who places themselves between those two camps. And listen, let me say it this way. Everyone needs a story of hope, right, right. But every story of hope needs an ish habenayim. Amen? Everyone needs a story of hope, but every story of hope needs an ish habenayim. You are the one that stands in the gap. I'm going to place deep responsibility on you today to stand in the gap. Jesus is the ultimate ish habenayim. He stood in the gap between God and man's sin. And just as our Savior is a gift to us, that gift of his life for us is an ish habenayim. To each of us, God challenges each of us to be a gift and an ish habenayim to others. Amen? James, that was baptized here. Mitch, wave your hand. You've been an ish habenayim to James. Yes, you have. Jason's not here today. He went up to be with his dad in New York. But Jason's been an ish habenayim to James. Men that are in James' small group, raise your hand. Make some noise. Where are you? Over here. You don't know all James' story, man. James has been through it, you know. And you guys have been Ish Habenayim to James through this whole season that he's been going through, you know. Even yesterday, moving him from one house to another, you know, and the guys just jumped in. There was need, financial things that James, man, a single dad trying to do it on his own, and just people in the body rallying around him, just Ish Habenayims, people who are standing in the gap so that James can walk in all that James is supposed to walk in. I'm so stinking proud of you guys for that. The other meaning of Ish Habenayim speaks to this. It's kind of weird, so just hold on for a second. It speaks to the effort involved to break or burst forth like a child coming out of the womb, okay? To break through, to break open, to break the limits of a stronghold. That Hebrew word takes on that connotation as well. So it's kind of two connotations, standing in a cat camp, representing another camp, but then also this idea of breaking forth, this breakthrough that takes place. 
this birthing that takes place. And you know why I think that's the picture of an Ishabinium? Because you can't have God's move birthed in another person's life unless his body gets involved. Unless there's a body, a baby doesn't get birthed. Amen? And so you've got to have a birthing forth. You've got to have a go-between. You've got to have this right here between God and man. And that's that Ishabinium. That's that, that stand-in-the-gap kind of person. So what is that stand-in-the-gap kind of person? It's one who sees a need and has the courage to take bold action to meet that need, even if they're afraid. God's not looking for people who feel no fear. We were singing earlier about fearless. It's not us being fearless. It's us being fearless in Him. It's because of Him. He looks for people who walk towards their fear and stands in the gap to help those in need. So during this season of Lent, over the next 40 days leading up to Easter, I want to challenge us as a church to position ourselves to see an outpouring of God's presence, power, and provision in people's lives. To position ourselves between what God is and all that He has and the people that He wants to pour that into. He's going to use His church. That's you. To stand in the gap. Amen? Amen? And I believe you have something to do during this season. Now, often during Lent, we give up stuff, don't we? You know, we'll, we'll fast. People will fast during Lent. They'll, they'll give up things, you know. And so this year, though, I don't want you to give up something. I want you to add something, if that's okay. I want you to stand in the gap. I want you to add standing in the gap. And what does that look like? We'll put it on the screen. It looks like praying. Begin praying now. God, who is it in my life that needs you? Who is it in my life that needs a touch from you, that needs something real, not artificial? They need something real from you, God. Who is it that I can be the church to? Not just invite them in, but I can be the church too. Who is it? Pray about that. And begin to prepare your heart to invite them to be a part of what you're doing even before Easter. And then obviously for Easter Sunday morning. And then the third thing, so pray, invite them. Third thing, serve. Easter Sunday, I'm going to tell you in a moment, we're going to be doing the biggest thing that we have ever done, I think, as a church, ever, on Easter Sunday. And we're going to need us to serve. And so I guess I won't, I won't hold it any longer because we got to get out of here. We're not just a church in Woodstock. Remember I told you that? We're a church to Woodstock. Because we do so much with the city, about four years ago, as the city was preparing to build their amphitheater, I asked the mayor, hey, would you allow us to have first right of refusal to use the amphitheater to host a citywide Easter celebration? In August last year, and you know it's hard to keep my mouth shut. In August last year, I was given the permission. We've been holding on to this for, I got chills. <clears throat> and so they're going to give us the permission to use the amphitheater. So instead of four services like we had last year for Easter, one big service. Amen. And I need you to stand in the gap now. I'm talking fast some, pray some. Lord, let the weather be good. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm serious. We will have an alternative plan in case weather goes bad. And we have a bunch of stuff. I cannot wait till next Sunday to tell you one more thing about what's happening on Easter. I'm not going to tell you yet. Got a really neat meeting tomorrow night, and um, we'll tell you about it next Sunday. But our service to the city, the things that we do as volunteers to our city, that, 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 that fostered that. That allowed them to want to partner with us 
for this big, huge Easter day. And so um, I don't know about y'all. I'm excited to see, you know, however many people show up. I don't have a clue, you know. We're trying to figure that out now, what to prepare for. We're thinking somewhere probably around 78,000 people. I don't know. I don't know. We just, we just want Jesus lifted up. Amen? And it's going to be such a fun day to be able to do that. Now, here's the thing. I do want to ask you to be an Ish HaBenayim in the area of this. We are going to take up a special offering, okay? Uh, we don't take up special offerings very often, but on the 19th of March, we're taking up an Easter offering. And you may say, well, Why? There's no way we can do the production that we need as far as sound, lighting, all the band, all the all that stuff. We've never done anything to this degree. And so we've, we're paying, we're getting help out. We've, we've, Pastor Corey's been crunching numbers and, and, and getting things squared away with all kind uh, what do you call those, um, um, estimates and all that kind of stuff. And so we're going to raise, we want to raise $10,000, all right, $10,000 on, on March 19th. I know that sounds like a lot, but it's worth it. That's it was just us in the area of finances partnering with God to be Ishabinayims. And so I just want to challenge you guys to, number one, pray. Number two, begin to invite people to what God is doing, even before Easter, but definitely on Easter. Number three, be able to serve on Easter Sunday. Most are serving on Easter Sunday. is just going to be loving on people, just being greeting, and, and, and it's great to see you, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a neat day. And then that final idea is give on March 19th, two weeks to prepare your hearts to give, and just do the best thing you possibly can. You know how we do giving around here. We don't push real hard, but you know when it comes down to it, it's wow. We don't push real hard, but every time there's a need, it's met. Come on. Man, thank you, Jesus. So I want you to raise your hands. I'm going to commission a room full of ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Amen. A room full of Ishabenayims. Lord God, right now, these are your people who stand in the gap. And Lord, as Ishabenayims, Lord God, as they go forth, would you bring through supernatural direction and they're leading, that you would bring them to people in need. You'd bring them to people that need a word. You'd bring them to people that need healing and victory and life change. And, and Lord God, encouragement. And allow them just to go as we commission them to go into this season of Lent leading up to Easter. And to just go and be people who stand in the gap, excited to be your body. Excited to be your priests. Excited to be the mouthpiece that you'll use to speak life, to be your prophets. Lord, I speak and declare in the name of Jesus. This is a room full of priests and prophets. In the name of Jesus, as they go forth to love people and to speak life and wholeness in people's lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.